Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. He therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Let let, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. So that's our Matthew 24 passage. Um, Now look over in Luke chapter number 24. um, Things prior to this abomination in Luke 21, in verse number 20, the Bible says, uh, And when ye shall see, Luke 21, verse 20, Jerusalem, compassed with armies, then know ye the the desolation thereof is nigh. And now let's get our 2 Thessalonians verse. Our 2 Thessalonians verse. We're in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse number 4. The Bible says, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So what's going to happen prior to this abomination is the armies are going to encompass Jerusalem. And this is why it says this is the warning that God gives the nation. He says in Luke 21, the desolation thereof is nigh. When you see that, it's nigh. So that's the armies of Satan. They're going to encompass Jerusalem. And then we saw in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, Satan, the devil, is going to arrive on earth. He is going to be cast down from heaven. These are events that are going to happen just prior to the abomination of desolation. Now we'll get to our Daniel 9. Our Daniel 9 verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And watch this. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So this is going to happen. Sacrifices are going to be brought back in the temple, but they're going to cease. They're going to come to an end. When? Well, it's hard to say exactly, but it's going to be around this time when either A, the armies of Satan encompass Jerusalem, or B, when Satan is cast down and now has a place on earth and sits in the temple, but the sacrifices are going to cease. So we get those three things wrapped around in our mind as far as what is going to happen during this or just preceding this abomination of desolation. Armies, Satan down, sacrifices will cease. No more. We already talked about the Jews are going to have a heightened level of fear and a heightened level of uncertainty. We talked about all this deception, all of the wars, all of the physical disturbances that are going on. All of the hatred, both from within and from without. People will hate the truth. 
We're not talking about this tonight, but we're going to have the, the death of the two witnesses. And they're going to make merry. They're going to share gifts with one another. And they're just basically thrilled that they're no longer going to be tormented by God's messengers, these two witnesses and their ministry. In Daniel chapter 9, verse number 27, we see that this, this worship that's happening in the temple, it's, un, it, it's based upon that false covenant of peace with the man of sin. It's going to stop. Satan's going to come down from heaven. And guess what he's going to demand? The same thing that he's always demanded. Man's worship. So that's what we have going on just prior to the abomination. Of desolation. If you're if you're still in Daniel, flip over to chapter number twelve. Daniel chapter number twelve. <clears throat> and in the first verse, we're going to see that Michael is Israel's defender against her enemies. And he stands to defend that nation. Daniel chapter 12, verse number one. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. Daniel's people would be the Jews. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. But, Dan, uh, not, but Daniel, it's in Daniel chapter 12. Michael, Israel's protector that's going to stand for the nation. He's not Jesus. <laughs> he's not omnipresent. He can only be in one place at one time. He can either be in heaven or he can be in earth. So all of this stuff is unfolding upon the earth. Now get Revelation chapter number 12. Revelation chapter number 12. Let's start reading at verse number 7. Revelation 12, verse number seven. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him and i heard a loud voice saying in heaven now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our god and the power of his christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down which accursed them before our god day and night and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, 
having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And that's right. He does have but a short time. And it's a reason for heaven to rejoice. But the devil being cast into the earth, verse number nine, there's going to be a reason to rejoice in heaven, verse number 12. But look at verse number 12, great wrath, having great wrath. The earth is going to be completely exposed to Satan's great wrath. That's going to be scary. It already is scary that he's the prince of the power of the air, but he's going to be cast down to the earth. Michael's protector, Israel, is summoned up to the third heaven, and that battle goes on, and he is cast from heaven. And what he may very well do, I don't know for sure, but what he very well may do is set up the abomination in the temple. The armies of Satan we know are going to encompass Jerusalem. The man of sin calls for an end of sacrifices to be offered. Satan is cast down to the earth. All of these events are all interconnected. And then the abomination that make it desolate. Uh, let's let's get back to Daniel 11 and let's get uh, let's go back to our second Thessalonians passage. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter number two. But we as a church, the body of Christ, we're going to be caught up. We're going to be raptured away. And then the nation of Israel will live under a supposed covenant of peace. And that supposed covenant of peace will last 42 months, three and a half years. And this quote unquote peace it's going to start to fade away when the armies of the Antichrist surround Jerusalem. And they're going to demand a stoppage of the sacrifices. Look at Daniel chapter 11 and verse number 31. Daniel chapter 11, verse number 31. And arms shall stand on his part. And they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice. And they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. The sanctuary of strength will be polluted. Second Thessalonians chapter number two. We have uh, verse number four, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This temple of God is going to be defiled. It's going to become Satan's seat. Three and a half years of supposed peace except we're already out of here. Three and a half years of supposed peace. Armies, Satan's armies are going to encompass Jerusalem. The devil is cast down. 
Michael's called up to the third heaven. That battle, Satan's cast down. He sits in the temple. And all of those events now are going to precede that abomination of desolation. The sanctuary is going to be polluted. The sanctuary of strength. That's Daniel 11, 31. And all of the Jewish sacrifices will come to a complete and utter halt. All of it stops. Now, one thing to note, we see in the Old Testament, in Daniel, it's named the abomination that maketh desolate. But in the New Testament, it says the abomination of desolation. Well, what's the difference? Well, it's just a language difference. Daniel, they spoke Hebrew. It's a translation thing. In the New Testament, we have Matthew and Mark. They're not speaking Hebrew. They're speaking Greek. So that's why we see the difference in that translation source. One's Hebrew and then one is Greek. And let's go through these references so you can see them. Let's read them one more time. Get Daniel eleven thirty one. It's good to go to them again and again. It helps really get it in our mind. Look at Daniel 11, verse number 31. And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place, here it is, the abomination that make it, def- that make it desolate. Daniel chapter 12. Look at verse 11. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. See it again, abomination that maketh desolate. Our Matthew 24 passage and, and Mark 13. Let's look at both of those and read those together. Matthew chapter 24, and then get Mark 13. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And guess what it says in Mark 13? The same thing. Verse 14, but when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So I guess technically we could say, or it's fair to say, this is the, the abomination. It's all referring to the same thing. And it's descriptively defined as that maketh desolate or desolation. The word abomination shows up just under 70 times in the Bible. Most of the time it has to do with a false image or false god or goddess. You want to run all 69 verses? Might be good to do one one time through a study, but how about we just do a few? Let's get all the way back in our Old Testament to the book of First Kings. First Kings. Judges Ruth, first Samuel, second Samuel, and then you'll come to the book of First Kings, and we will be in Chapter number 11. Let's look at a couple of these. 
the word abomination, that'd be a great study for somebody to do. Run all the verses on abomination. The abomination, First Kings chapter number 11. Let's look at verse number five. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Watch verse 7. Then did Solomon build an high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives burn incense and sacrifice unto their gods. All When you see abomination in the Bible, almost every single time it's connected to an image of idolatrous, false, God or goddess worship. Look at verse number five, Ashtoreth, the goddess. Look at verse number uh, words, uh, verse number seven, Molech, Chemosh, and then, and then verse number eight, sacrificed unto their gods. It's an abomination in God's eyes to set up any type of image at all and worship it. It's an absolute abomination. And that is exactly what is going to happen at the abomination that maketh desolate in that temple. Second Kings chapter number 23. Second Kings chapter number 23. And in Second Kings chapter 23, we'll look at verse uh, number 13. And the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had builded for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Zidians, and for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammon, did the king defile. And he brake in pieces the images and cut down the groves, and filled their places with the bones of men. It goes on. Well, let's read a little bit more. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel, and the high place which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, had made, both that altar and the high place, he broke down and burned the high place, and stamped it small to powder, and burned the grove. And as Josiah turned himself, he spied the sepulchers that were there in the mount and sent and took the bones of the sepulchers and burned them upon the altar and polluted it according to the word of the Lord, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. It goes on, a great chapter. Great things happening in Josiah's life. But these things are abominations to God. And a man of God or a woman of God has to stand up and say, no, no. It doesn't matter what the image is. 
But I'll tell you, during Daniel's 70th week, that abomination that takes place, it will absolutely be idolatrous acts and it will absolutely be connected with a false god. So here's what God said to the Jews in the Old Testament. Everybody knows this verse. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Everybody, well, everybody except Roman Catholics know that verse because growing up as a Roman Catholic, that was the one that was taken out of the Bible. We took the 10th commandment and they made that into two in order to get 10. You know why? Because they got graven images uh, everywhere. You got Mary. You got St. Francis of Assisi. You got St. Christopher in your car. Yeah, it's a, it's a place. You go to you go to some of these. Yeah, yeah, look it up. You're laughing. You go to some of these places in South America. You'll see images everywhere. Everywhere. It's all about image worship. And you know how Jesus is imaged? As the poor old, you know, baby that has to be protected and mothered by Mary. You know how else Jesus is imaged? Dead on a cross or a crucifix. Well, I got news for you. He ain't on the cross anymore. He rose from the grave. There's a reason why the Bible is changed by some of these religions. Because they got to make the Bible fit with their religion. Anytime an image shows up for worship, you can mark it down. It's idolatry and it's related to false worship. We should get rid of it. <clears throat> what did God tell New Testament Christians? Let's go to Acts 17 and Romans 1. Acts 17 and Romans 1. Acts chapter 17, verse number 29. Acts 17, verse 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's devices. God doesn't want us making art and graven images to worship. That's what he said to us. Look at Romans chapter number one. Everybody knows this verse. Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. How? And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. It shows up all over. It shows up all over. You can't get away from it. You, you can't go buy a cup of coffee without some pagan image being portrayed. They just want to get their message out any way that they can. I'm not saying buy or don't buy, or not, none of that. All I'm saying is it's everywhere. It just shows up. God told us as Christians, don't make the Godhead under gold or silver or stone or graven by art. 
and not like to corruptible men, the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. That's what he told us. I think we ought to take heed. Listen to that. But let's recap real quick, and then we will move on. Two major things are going to happen. The setting up of an image in the temple of God at the abomination of desolation. Daniel 11, Daniel 12, Matthew 25, Mark 13. Write all that down. No, Daniel 11, Daniel 12, Matthew 24, and Mark 13. Then 2 Thessalonians 2, the second thing will be the presence and the worship of the man of sin in the temple. 2 Thessalonians 2. Like we said, anytime you have an image, you got false religion. And anytime you got false religion, you can bet your life on it. There's going to be an image involved. God is concerned about the wickedness of setting up images to worship. So let me ask you. I'll ask myself the same question. Do you have an image? Is there something that you worship more than God? Is it a toy? Is it a car? Is it something that you own? Is it a house? Is it, what is it? Hopefully we all answer none, or if we answer, oh, there is one, we get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of the image. Be a Josiah. Get rid of it. Now, we saw in Daniel 11, the abomination is placed. Daniel 12, it says it's set up. Matthew 24, it's standing in the holy place. Mark 13 says where it ought not. And so every faithful Jew will understand the eminent danger that they're under during Daniel's 70th week. Man of sin is going to present himself likely at that point. When we talked about before, God always gives a warning. And every faithful Jew will have ample warning when they see, because they're visibly going to see that abomination take place. That's why we see in Matthew chapter 24 and in Mark chapter 13, that's why it says spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Because Daniel spoke repeatedly of it. Daniel 9, Daniel 11, Daniel chapter number 12. Let's go to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. We'll look at one more verse. And we'll close. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. Uh, watch verse 27. Watch verse 27. Last verse. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sanctuary and the oblation to cease. And watch this one. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. This is the only time we see the phrase, the overspreading of the abomination. It's going to be one of many abominations. It's the only thing you can get out of that verse, the overspreading of abominations. 
So I thought that to be interesting in, in verse 27, the overspreading of abominations, signaling one among many different ones. A bad, bad time. But God always gives sufficient warning. We, well, say that in a minute. It's Daniel's warning in the Old Testament. Matthew and Mark's recorded warnings that we see in Matthew 24 and Mark 13. And also, which we're, we didn't get into tonight, we'll do another lesson. Providing or confirming the validity of, look, this is going to happen because of the two witnesses and the preaching of those two witnesses. So the warnings are given clearly by God. Just like we as Christians, we were given a warning. You're a sinner. Because of your sin, you're separated from God, your creator. What does that mean? It means you're headed for hell and God would be righteous and just for sending you there. He wouldn't be a bad man. He would be a righteous judge. Because righteous judges put criminals in jail. And God, the judge of the universe, is 100% holy and righteous. And yes, you are a criminal. You've committed high crimes against the holy God. And because of that, you're condemned to hell. Uh oh, that's the warning. God always gives the warning, and He always, with the warning, gives a plan of escape. But I love you so much that I sent my only begotten Son to come down here and live a righteous life because you're unrighteous, to live a godly life because you're ungodly, to live a clean life because you're unclean. And pay your sacrifice, the debt that you owe me, you can't pay me because you can't be good enough. But my son can. And he's going to willingly go to a cross, suffer, bleed out on a cross and die. Or whosoever would believe on him. In other words, he's going to die for the whole world. The sins of the whole world he took upon himself. Not only did he die, but he rose again, defeating death, making full payment for your sin and for my sin. Over 20 years ago, I trusted in what the Lord did for me because I knew I was unrighteous, ungodly, unclean and deserving of hell because I've committed high crimes against the holy God. Oh, no, I never murdered anybody. I didn't have to. All I had to do was tell one little lie. All I had to do is have one impure thought. Have you ever had one impure thought? Then against God, you've committed the high crime. And you deserve hell. That's the warning. Here's the plan of escape. Trust in Jesus Christ. He paid your debt. He did it willingly. He suffered and died 100% obedient to God the Father. 100% God and 100% man all at the same time. And he offers you the free gift 
of eternal life. You can't get it through baptism. You can't get it through church membership. You can't get it through good works. You can't get it through financial giving. You can't get it from saving the seals or any other type of uh, uh, social or humanitarian project out there. You can't get it through humanitarian works or social projects. You can only get it through Jesus Christ, the creator and the sustainer of all things. Will you trust in him if you have already? Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.